Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to talk about conservation-minded management. i got conservation in my mind, my mind on conservation. Spotlight, we're going to look at uh, Bear launching a new mode of action herbicide. In Ag History Minute, we'll talk about a brief history of NRCS. Cool beans, that's corny this week. We've got some information for you there. And you applied what is how we'll wrap it up. So with me today are Todd Schomburg. Hey, Matt, and hey, all the Tilthies out there. Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? And I'm Matt Brugger, all with Tilth Agronomy. You're not going to say hi to Bill on the phone? Oh, yeah, I forgot hey. Bill. Hey, Bill Schomburg is on the phone with us. Hey, I'm on the phone. Live from Stevens Point today. You sound like you're in a tunnel there, Bill. <laughs> Are you in a tunnel? Not in a tunnel. Oh, there, 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 there we go. We all right. Perfect. Sorry. Well, Speaker phone, not... Well, whatever you, yourself, not speakerphone. Yes, yeah. whatever you're doing now, keep doing it. Okay. So, so Matt was at Disney on Ice last night, took the kids. How was that, Matt? It, it was magical. <laughs> Is it magical? Uh, you know, no, it was fine. Uh, first time for myself and my children going, so they had, they had a good time. It was fun seeing the look on their face, seeing all the the Disney characters out on the the ice and did they make I was like when they put fire on the ice it's badass yep yeah twice they had fire from Moana and then Maleficent turned into a dragon and they had fire so that's cool yeah yeah and it was good uh, Zamboni came through halfway through so it was like oh hockey game no oh wait no, still Disney and ice but <laughs> no it was a good time Kids did had they fun. have Chuck a Puck no, yeah. no, there was oh, uh, been great. a million Mickey Mouse like glowing oh, bubble wands, yeah. And so oh, you yeah. ate bubbles half the show because these like two kids in front of us were like just holding down the button <laughs> and letting the bubbles. Were they like the vendors going up and down the aisles were selling those? Oh, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, so, and the halls are just <clears throat> filled with it. Yeah. No, so I know yeah. I know what you're talking about. I mean, I haven't been to Disney on Ice, but like I remember going to the circus. And they had stuff like that. Yeah, that is the new it, circus, isn't it? As far as like, yeah, well, it's the same as even whoa, at a like whoa, a don't hate a, on the a baseball game or you know where they're selling concessions. They sell yeah. they sell uh, these slushies and Merch. stuff too, and lemonade bottles for twenty bucks a crack. And yeah, it's it's definitely a money maker for whoever. Walt, old Walt, is raking it in. Yeah, the, they got, the they got of, you there, right? Oh yeah, got you there. Your kids see all the branded stuff and they're like, oh. It's literally a Dollar General plastic cup that you could buy a hundred of them for $20 and you buy one with Mickey Mouse's face on it. Yeah, no, it's, it is, there's no shortage of things to spend your money on. Yeah. That's for sure. Then this week we had, uh, Matt was at the Cover Crop Conference yesterday. Yeah, so I got to race home from that in, in order to go to Disney and Ice. But yeah, no, it was a good, good conference. Cover Crop Conference yesterday in Point was uh, was good. We had some good discussions, good breakout sessions, talking about um, different ways of integrating cover crops into your, your management. So Any overall takeaways that were new or good? Um, a lot of the keynote speaker focused a lot on profitability. And looking at your ROI, um, which is for grain guys, I think it's great. Dairies, it's a little harder when you're dealing with cover crops to um, look at that making a profit on the acre when you have animals to feed. So you need that specific amount of forage or um, you know feed inventory. So um, in that way, I think it was was good for cash grain guys. They also had some presentation on manure and other things for dairy, um, but it did seem 
little bit more in that that neck neck of the woods as yep. far as how was the lunch? It's good. It was tacos, uh, ch- tacos. like a chicken fajita taco. Oh, yeah. Max's mind is blown. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been to what? a meeting with tacos. Yep, hard or soft shell, um, some rice, refried beans. Was this Ooh, a, buffet, could... a buffet style or buffet style? style? Yep. Is it a two day event? Because that yeah. second day might be a little bit uh, more they, iffy. They did have a uh, event the night before, but okay, yeah, this was for All lunch right. on the the full day, so. I changed my mind. I want to go back to cover crop conference. Yeah, we had year. some good old chicken and taters at the Otagami Forage Council. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. Forage Council was yesterday. How was yeah, that? It was a good meeting. Good yeah. meeting. I, I don't dislike good crowd. chicken. I don't I don't dislike the, yeah, the was, fried chicken. I love fried chicken or roasted chicken. I don't I can't tell the difference really, if I'm being honest. It all tastes good to me. It's just good but, chicken. I mean switch it up with a taco. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's that's interesting. That's yeah. That's good. So. No, Tilth brought home uh, an award that was really cool. We got the um, educator award. So yeah, I shout saw out that to, sitting out on the uh, the table. There, yeah, so. shout out to Jeff Polinsky for getting that all started. So um, actually, I think he won it himself years ago. Um, but yeah, now we won his company, which is cool. So it was a, it was a really good meeting. Best was on the um, the feeding stuff. So they had bunker management basically or feed management and. Really interesting stuff. Have you seen him before? I have not. No. Okay, so and Matt, you said you have seen him before. Correct? He was at yeah, well, Packers for Council. Yeah, he's last week. He's so. got some interesting. Uh, is it Tr- Troy, Troy Brown? Brown? Yeah, Tr- yeah. Okay, he's got thanks. some interesting points, and he always has a lot of. I mean, he's got a lot. I mean, like he says, you put a quarter in me, wind me up, and let me go for an yeah, hour. Yeah, in the crowd, you know, it was early morning, cold. Yeah, first kind of just yeah, and he by yeah. the end he had everybody. Yeah, he knows so, the yeah. stuff, and, and he's honest too. He, yeah. he talks about you know additives and stuff as you know. I remember in our presentation, you know, this is a band aid. It's not like you should get in the habit of using this. This is only yeah. if you have issues. No, I would yeah. say ninety percent of his presentation was things to do without doing any additives. Yep. And then 10% of the additives was... It was why you would need them. Why, yep. yeah. Situations no, that was good. Them. Yeah. And so. it was more like, hey, in this situation, use this additive or this type of additive. Not even you have to use mine. You have to use this type or you're wasting your money. So I liked it. It was good. The best part was when he was talking about, uh, you know, like heating a feed and stuff and how if you guys, if they face their pile and then let the stuff sit on the ground, how much it heats and how much you lose. So you really gotta. Yeah, did he he show those um, thermal pictures in yep. his yeah. presentation? Yeah, those that that was awesome to see the. You know, it's Within like three it's, hours, it's it negative three outside, but that pile's at one hundred and five. So I, yeah, I like the pictures he showed of the piles that were like oh, the, just awful, the like bath. the terrible ones. <laughs> Where they're faced all cockeyed and like they just look like snow piles more and they're than half like rotten. Feet. Yeah, no, like, this oh, is great. Those are something. So yeah, it was crazy. He talked about how farms in other areas like locate their pile right in the field. Like they'll yeah. have he said Idaho that was common. Yeah, yeah. that kind of blew my mind. Like and then they you truck it truck the feed to when feed you need it, it not. Yeah. After your harvest, which was kind of crazy. So yeah. and do they, so like you know if you're a farm with like. 20 fields of corn silage, you have 20 different piles? Theoretically, yeah. yeah. Like, So you would, would be... And you would purchase feed, like that was a way of buying feed too. Like a guy who doesn't have animals might chop a field and just make a pile in that field and then he sells it off to his neighbor and the neighbor has to go go get it from the field. Yeah, Interesting. So, yeah. No, it was interesting. A lot of good meetings. That's... Well, most of what we end up doing this winter, besides all the paperwork and nutrient management planning, but 
Um, let's get into our topic for today. So conservation-minded management is what we're going to talk about. Um, so I, don't know who, I liked your start, man. I got conservation in my mind. and My mind and conservation. conservation yeah. yeah, I think it's a big topic for everybody these days, uh, thinking about whether it's water quality or um, just managing erosion and soil loss on your farm. There's There's lots to be considered when you're talking about conservation. Yeah, Max thought this idea was a good one because I think it's doing the little things. Yeah. Would you say, Max, is thinking about some of the little things, how you could tweak something just real small um, to make a it, big benefit. It's really scary, I think, for a lot of managers to think about um, putting their plows and their cultivators in the shed and never using them again and planting cover crops every year and completely changing their management style overnight. So I I guess what I try and tell tell guys is to... Like you said, do something small. Start small. Start just do something and and see if you like it. See if you can make it fit. Um, it's probably not going to be perfect the first year because it never is. But if we start somewhere and, and kind of work our way to what we want to be, it, it'll be all right. No, and I think a big part of that too is not giving up if it doesn't work exactly the way you thought the first year. Because a lot of times these systems do take multiple years to see the effectiveness of. So you can't just say, oh, well, it didn't work this year. Let's do something different. And I don't think anybody's ever fully prepared to do some of these conservation practices. You can read about them. You can have, have be as edu- educated as you want when it comes time to actually put the seed in the ground or, you know, spray this new herbicide. It's, it's different. So um, I guess kind of just pick something, hang on to it, try it out, and, and give it some time. Don't officially judge the conservation practice based on the weather of 2019 either, right, guys? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, last year was not the year to gauge anything. <laughs> so time to get going with it. So I think when you think of conservation, a lot of guys um, think no-till, but there's not. You don't just have to do no-till. There's also conservation tillage. So um, no no tillage being obviously you're not working the ground. You're just planting right into whatever uh, residue or crop was there last year or cover crop perhaps. Yeah, one thing I would say about no-till is it actually is, it's basically you put your tillage on your planter a lot of times. Yep. Is the, the planter is a more aggressive tool. The trash to get this, whippers. Yeah, to get openers. this seed in the ground. So um, sometimes, you know, f- thinking of that is, is when you can use no-till on your farm um, and maybe not always long-term no-till, even short-term no-till can help sometimes and have a fit. I had enough farms in 2019 that we just had to do no-till and it worked okay. Um, and then going into conservation tillage, one thing with that too is just any way you can do to do less tillage would be a good, you know, a good thing is just every tillage pass, think about do you need it and what's the benefit and less recreational tillage and more to solve a problem. I, uh, I guess my thing is, um, Knowing the difference between between your types of tillage and where exactly they fall as far as like even just knowing what you can get cost share dollars for, right? Because you can get cost share dollars for no till, you can get cost share dollars for conservation till, if I'm correct. So I guess just understanding what your plan is and and how that works works for you. So if it if you have you know a ton of residue and you just don't really have the planner set up, maybe it's maybe you work some conservation tillage. If you have a really nice flat you know, wheat field from last year, that might be a good time to try no-till. That's probably the best, that's probably the easiest setup there is right now. 
I, I, I guess that if I was going to try no-till, that's where I'd want to try is on a wheat field that was nice and flat and, you know, just, you know. I think you nice bring up a good point with residue, Max, is a lot of times tillage, we're really just managing residue. Exactly. Um, compaction, obviously, is an issue too, but the residue part is on soybean stubble and wheat, there's very little residue. There's usually less need for tillage. So we, that's a good place to start. Yep, and it it all depends on your rotation. Um, it can be harder <clears throat> to find that if you're not doing wheat or soybeans, um, alfalfa in a you know dairy rotation is is usually a good spot to start the no-till because it's you haven't worked the field for four, five, six years, depending on how long you've kept that stand. So there may be some issues getting in the ground initially, but um, you, it's going to look ugly usually with no-till in the beginning, but it turns around by the later part of the season. So I think one of my biggest um, watch-outs, I guess, with residue is, especially when it comes to like alfalfa or um, if you did like a rye cover crop, is your your timing windows for planting around termination of that crop. So the first 48 hours after you spray um, to terminate, that's a good time to plant, but that 48-hour mark to about seven days out i would say those there's that win, five day window in there is not the best that that residue tends to get really slimy and tangles a lot easier so either 48 hours or give it a full seven days to die would be my recommendation well even with alfalfa you can plant green you could go right into yeah. the alfalfa and spray afterwards spray it post and um that works pretty well too then you're it's really that day day three to day seven where it's it's in an in between stage and it doesn't seem to work out as well is is what I'm finding. But um, residue, it's again yeah. a residue thing. Yeah, yeah. So I'd watch out for that, I guess. The other thing too, guys, is thinking about if you're getting into it and you're new into no till, is what crop you planting. Uh, if you got heavy corn stalks, you know soybeans are pretty resilient. You know you can do a lot of things wrong in soybeans and still have a good crop. So that might be a good, um, you know, crop to start trying no-till is soybeans because we can really do a lot of things and you'll get a good stand of, of growth there. Yeah. No, that's a good point, Bill. Um, while we're talking about residue, there's always the idea of removing residue with soybeans if you're taking the straw or you're spreading it out. Uh, corn with corn stalks. Um, this year especially there were a lot of guys taking corn stalks off. Um, so that can help prepare for no-till. You have less trash, less potential issues there, but at the same time, you have to consider the nutrient you're removing and you'll have to adjust your fertilization to meet that removal. So, um, I've always thought the the nutrient part we can figure, but it's also the carbon part that we're removing too. That, um, when you are talking cover crops and organic matter is a big part of that can be that above-ground residue that helps in that scenario. I mean, you have your roots contributing as well. Right. And most of the time, like when we're baling corn stalks, it's really hard to get a lot of that material. Um, so usually we're not removing all of it. But it is a good point that we do have to to do the math of, okay, what what is the nutrient value or leave, let's leave in the field um, and make sure for if you're selling it as straw or feed or whatever you're selling it for, you're getting enough money back. To, to pay for that so what would what would you guys say is your is how much are you reducing biomass when you bail those corn stalks off how much you know is it is it going down by 50 percent 25 percent 
It depends how much residue you're leaving. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. How yeah. much? How much do you think, on average, we're t- is is being left out there? Are, you know, I don't, corn stalks is not. It's not like baling hay. You leave a lot. You leave a lot out there. Um, I would say you probably only take twenty five percent of the residue off. I think that'd be a fair number. I, it is more than that. It just really depends, um, especially with with chopping heads on. Sometimes that gets it real flat to the ground. Yep. Well, actually, more if they go through for, the stock chopper, right? And, yeah. Right. But some of these newer stock choppers that can windrow it while you do it. Yeah. I mean, you're taking a little bit more with that. Or run probably. the. I saw guys but, um, this year because we were short on straw and feed, uh, running rakes through there and and trying to rake it up them. So bring it mo- the most they can out of it, and then rake it and then bale it. Um. So I guess I guess it it would depend on the year. Um. So. Maybe that's what we need to do is some some research on is biomass reduction when baling corn stalks. Well, and that many passes too. I think you really have to look at the value of what you're getting out of yeah, what you, you're taking how off. How much are you pounding it into the ground, right. or you know, adding ash to your yeah um, to your bales? I guess. I yeah, it's interesting. It's it's different. It's a different thought process. I think so. Yeah, and then there's leaving it. Um, you can sometimes residue can get in the way. Um, depends on how the the corn was taken off. If it was for silage, it's usually not as much residue, so it can be easier uh, to take then, that. Then we call it trash. Then okay. we call it yeah, then trash. It's trash. Yeah. But when wasted, it's the good, yeah. wasted feed. And when it's good, it's it's residue. It's residue. Yeah. So and what's interesting is if you do get into long term no till, um, we talked about you know needing trash whippers and that kind of stuff. Usually, as you get into that longer term no till, guys are actually going the other way using conventional planters and not as much with the trash whippers. As your, as your soil changes over time... It takes less. It takes less to get in. So, Yeah. Uh, cover crops versus weeds. Uh, there, there's a fine distinction sometimes there when you're talking about putting something in that's taking nutrient, taking water. Your, your, uh, your overwinter cover crop turns into an interseeding project. Um, sometimes i i did i know some somebody last year tried that um they planted they planted rye um didn't have great termination and just thought we'll leave it out there we'll let it go to seed and we have our cover we basically interseeded cover crop again which it worked i believe you're on that farm too matt right i oh near manawa there was one that tried that i think they i think it worked okay not great i mean it was still rye was interseeded i guess in you call it august yeah the hard part with leaving rise your um, distribution of seed yeah tends to be uh, less than desirable and sometimes it gets real thick um but yeah there are there are considerations there um i've seen it with there's another farm that i talked to um that they do buckwheat oh yeah as an interseed and they they don't care if it goes to seed because then it's just reseeding itself. So I think the the stand density makes a big impact on what you're going to see if you if you were to go that route. My grandma makes buckwheat pancakes, and they're the best thing in the world. I'm just, just throwing that out there. <laughs> well, we're on buckwheat. I know we're not actually on buckwheat. I don't even know if I've had buckwheat flour. Is oh, it? it's it's like um, you're not buckwheat. living, Ted. Yeah, yeah, apparently it's just dark flour. It's just dark flour. Yeah. I mean. I, Buckwheat it's pancakes. it's the yeast it's the yeast that make the buckwheat pancakes right. different, but yeah. that's it's got, got a different different flavor yeah. to it. Yeah. Kind of tastes like beer, but not still really. using maple syrup on them or what are you uh, rocking? Actually, some cool whip or strawberries. Actually, or the the key to it is to go brown log cabin syrup, 
Yeah. Then Carol straight white corn syrup. Then another pancake. No, so it goes pancake, brown syrup, pancake, white syrup, syrup. pancake, brown syrup. And a pound of butter on every short every, stack. Yeah. <laughs> That's you, the, I just use real maple syrup. So I it's not the way to do it. Not for buckwheat pancakes. There's a very I've been There's raised. Surge, I've, been, I've been practicing regimen. I've been practicing this for it's 20, the, fr- 20, the freedom method. Right twenty three. How old? Twenty three years now. I've been practicing how to eat buckwheat pancakes. <laughs> I got it down to a science. Yeah. There's a right way and a wrong way, and my brother and I will disagree on what those ways are for our entire lives. But I, it, I do it the right way. So bottom line, with conservation minded management, do what you can and to help and give it some time. So like we said, you don't want to. Just jump into it and jump right back out. Give it some time. Try it a couple years in a row at least just to see if you can you could make the system work. Not every system is going to work for every farm. You're going to have to play around with ideas and, and find what works for your rotation and, and your farm. So Don't be afraid to talk to neighbors. Yep, that's always a good source of information. Or even go to some of these conferences and you might learn something that you want to try. So. All right, now we'll move into our spotlight. So Bear is launching a new mode of action. Todd, you got details? A new herbicide mode of action, which the reason it's exciting news is there really hasn't been a true new mode of action for 30 years. Yeah, HPPD inhibitors, I think, was the last one. Yes, I agree. And um, so that's why this is exciting news. It's just... We've had new herbicides, new blends, all that stuff, and how they're marketed, new names of stuff. But to have a new, um, they are in like phase two of early development of a new molecule, um, which has demonstrated effective control of key resistant grasses in research. And that's from a Bayer news release. So um, just exciting, especially when Bayer's just getting hammered with the the legal stuff on the other side. I, yep. I just want to throw out there that hey, I mean, it is exciting that they're doing this, and just the costs, um, you know, and the millions and almost billions to get a new herbicide through. So, I mean, the the investment they have there and what they're trying to do is is a very good thing. I heard some murmurs of this back in December. Like, I mean, obviously, if they're to phase two now, they were in phase one in December, and so. It's not, nobody's really talking about it or has a lot of faith in it, but even just that little rumor like, hey, we heard there's going to be something new maybe yeah. coming out. I, people were very excited, so I'm glad to see that it, it's continued its way down the pipeline, and hopefully it's here soon, I guess. I'd like another tool in the toolbox. Yeah, no, it'd be good Good to have new modes of action. Now we'll move into the <clears throat> Ag History Minute. All right. Today we're going to talk about the NRCS, and this is a brief history of NRCS right from their website. So on April 27, 1935, Congress passed the Public Law 7446, which recognized that the wastage of soil and moisture resources on farm, grazing, and forest lands is a menace to the national welfare. They established the Soil Conservation Service as a permanent agency in USDA, 1994, SCS changed their name to the Natural Resources Conservation Service, or NRCS as we know them today. 
to better reflect the broadened scope of the agency's concerns. In doing so, Congress reaffirmed the federal commitment to the conservation of the nation's soil and water resources first made more than 85 years ago that continues today. And, of course, 1935, that would be during the Great Depression, Dust Bowl era. So, yeah, obviously we were having a lot of issues with our soil back then. Public Law 7446, I remember that one. No, that was just... (laughs) Okay. It's it's a good, yeah, interesting way to get started, like you say, is just that obviously shows the scope of how bad the Dust Bowl was. Right, economically really damaged what what was happening with farming and and it was a big deal back then so which name do you like better max um i just i i like nrcs better yeah it, they're both fine but i very it, what's really funny is um as, as you guys know and i think i mentioned it before i live with another agronomist from the company um and then my my fiance and she'll hear us talk back and forth, you know, DNR, NRCS, all like these, all these acronyms basically. And one day, one day I remember going, what do these even mean? Are these all the same people? What is going on here? So we, and then we, we tried to sit down and go through what all the letters, all the acronyms meant. And there's a couple of them that I still don't know what they mean, but <laughs> I just know we work with this person and I'm not exactly sure what all the letters stand for, but it's okay. Yeah, no, there there are a number of acronyms in our line of work, so lots of lots of things to learn. Well, good. Thanks to all the listeners out there, and this is a shout-out for Tilth Agronomy. Um, so if you want an independent crop consultant in the Wisconsin area, um, please look into tilthag.com. And also, if you like an independent crop consultant throughout the nation, go to naicc.org which is the National Alliance of Independent Crop Consultants. All right. Well, let's talk about some cool beans and find out what's corny. So cool beans? Cool beans. Cool beans. So today's cool beans, Todd, you found this one? Yeah, I just found you don't get very many opinion articles that kind of pop your interest, and this is from actually USA Today. Um, and the, the headline is From Snake Oil to Science, I peddled clean eating wellness until I learned the facts. Um, and it's from, you know, an, an opinion piece, um, just kind of an interesting thing about how a person basically was a professional at kind of um, in the holistic kind of world and eating and trying to treat and cure people um, with with guidelines of how to eat and, you know, organic and no GMOs and all that stuff. Um, the not a doctor doctor. Yeah. Um, and basically started to, to learn more of the science behind it and kind of basically just completely got out of doing that, that work. Cause they kind of learned that, you know, maybe that handing out these supplements and some of the things that they were trying to sell and ideas, um, weren't, weren't actually perfect that, and giving a pill as a supplement, Versus just somebody eating healthy food and fruits and vegetables wasn't wasn't kind of working out. So well, even I think I, I looked over the article too, and they mentioned you know encouraging people to eat organic, and you know if you want to eat organic, that's fine, but it is more expensive. I mean, we see it in our end our our business as you know these premiums that farm organic farms get for their crop. That's obviously got to get passed on down the line. So there, it is just a more expensive way of of living versus eating a traditional 
uh, a conventional grown crop. And if you're worried about GMOs, you know, we had that episode we talked about. There are only a very few things that are GMO. And so there's lots of option, conventional options that are non-GMO that you can eat if that's a concern that you have. So just do your research. Don't don't rely on, I think this was my favorite part of the article, uh, a theory you overhear in yoga class or <laughs> that soccer mom, you know, the, something to that effect was in the article. And it's like, yeah, don't don't just take the word of a acquaintance or what, random stranger. What was the what was the quote you got from a farmer the other day, Todd? If you're going if I need to get my eyes checked to go to the eye doctor, <laughs> not the foot doctor. Yeah. Yeah. No, go yeah, yeah. know your So yeah. Do your due diligence and look into it. See if there is actually something to it. There's lots of research out on a lot of these things. But yeah, just a real good article back in science, which was cool. Yeah. And then our that's corny for this week. I, I can take this one. The forecast, yeah. So yesterday, Forage Council meeting, we had a, a representative from the National Weather Service, and he came in, and I don't think this is his fault. I don't think he actually controls the weather. I'm not completely certain that he doesn't, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't. Um, and his forecast prediction, I guess the way the trends are going, is that we are going to have a cold, wet spring again. Yeah. Yep, I, I know. I don't know if it was the same guy, but uh, Peninsula Pride Farms had their annual meeting a week or two ago, and they had a meteorologist and said the same thing. I saw a video on Twitter. Like, yep, we're in for cold, wet. Water water levels are high. Water's not going to have a lot of places to go. So, yeah, just not great. Yep. So it, tell me where you've heard this story before, cold, <laughs> yeah. cold wet spring. It is hard with their forecast because they do look at recent history you know, until we break that trend, then it goes the other way. Well, so he was talking about the Great Lakes water cycles and how they how the Great Lakes kind of move, and that's basically a weather predictor. And we're in we're in year three out of ten years that it should be high, which means we have seven more wet years coming. Yeah, or I and he something just said, along those. He lines. also said just wetter than normal. So right, are yeah, we going to break? Mean record? You know high, where we yeah. broke. Back to back, you know, eighteen broke a record, nineteen broke a record. So that's the only and, maybe and good 19, part. Is nineteen didn't just break the record. No, nineteen destroyed. It wasn't even close. It was what do you say? Nine point six. It inch? was way more. Yeah, Nine point six yeah. inches was the about, like, Usain Bolt of. No, it was like oh, it it's was it's the twenty eighteen. Hold my beer. I'm yeah, gonna kick yeah. your ass. Twenty eighteen. Yeah, I, no, I knew it was, it was wet. I didn't think it was almost ten inches no, wetter yeah. than that. Was Unreal. that was crazy? Unreal. So. All right, so now we're going into you applied what, and Bill had to hang up. So Max, you want to hit us with a what did you do? All right, there you go. Did I even saw. Did I sound like him? It was, was pretty good. It was close. I practice in the mirror every morning while I'm getting ready. So <laughs> doing your Bill impression. Yeah, it's so, awkward just saying. Are, are you what the, did you do to yourself? Are, are what you did the, you do? The talented Mr. Garvey. Are you going to just take I'm, over Bill's life now? Yes. No, uh, so it's good that we were talking about a new mode of action because that is what our You Applied What is going to focus on today. So we, I have four herbicides here, and they, three of them have this are the same group, and one of them is an odd one out. And I'm going to see if you can tell me which one is the odd one out. And for bonus points, I'll buy lunch today if you can tell me which what both the groups are. <laughs> okay? So right. let's start. Will it be Spartan? Cadet, Valor, and Pursuit. So, 
Uh, who, who wants to start here? Who wants to guess what the odd one out is? Dad, you want to? I'm gonna go cadet because it's just a it's a post. That's what I was um, thinking too. Is cadet kind of stood out to me? Yeah, out of those. As the odd one out. Yeah. yeah. You're wrong. You're both wrong. Wow. Um, I I actually thought this one was kind of tricky too. Um, Spartan, Cadet, and Valor are all Group 14 herbicides. Okay. So um, Pursuit is a Group 2. two yep. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, that's so fair. Yep. Spart- Spartan, Cadet, and Valor all fall into that PPO resist PPO, not PPO resistant, PPO inhibitor Inhibit. herb- yep, yep. herbicide. I almost said resistant. That would be the water hemp. <laughs> um, and then that Pursuit is an ALS inhibitor. So there you go. Tough one for today. Tricky, a little, little bit off course. Yeah, what we I like do. that. We'll go in the groups because those groups are, in, you know, that that how you think they're different, but they're in the same family. So right. you got to watch it. You're using yeah, different groups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, those those are completely different herbicides as far as well, when and how we use them, but they attack the same same kinda, site. Yeah, same, same mode of action. Yeah, the same 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 defense mechanism. So anyway, good good, good job, Max. All right, that will do it for today. We talked about conservation-minded management in our spotlight. Bears launching a new herbicide mode of action. Details to be determined. Egg History Minute, we talked about the history of the NRCS. Cool beans was do your research. Not everything you hear is true. That's corny. The forecast is looking a little bit glum for the spring, but hopefully things will be different than last year. And then you applied what? We talked about different grouped herbicides. So thanks, guys. Thanks thanks for for having us, Matt. Thanks. And as always, happy farming.